Now turn with me tonight in the book of Daniel. We're going to read from Daniel chapter 1. Book of Daniel, chapter 1, and I'm going to read just the first seven verses of the chapter. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem. And besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princess, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshech, and to Azariah, Abednego. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 7. And we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now this evening... I want to commence a series of expository messages on the book of Daniel. Therefore, my text tonight is taken from Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And all I'm doing tonight is going to set the scene. I'm just going to present some background material and information regarding this man called Daniel and his marvelous prophecy. Do you remember that the book of Daniel is a wonderful book of history, but it's also a wonderful book of prophecy. It's a book about the end times. And maybe you're interested in the end times. And we know that we live in uncertain times. Days when perplexing things are happening in the world all around us and some things we're scratching our head and wondering what on earth is going on. Well, I invite you to come on a Sunday evening and to this house. And if you can't make it, then you can listen on the internet and follow with us as we work our way through. It may take 
12, it may take 14, it may take 16 weeks as we work our way through this book. And I pray that at the end of it, we'll have a better understanding of the times in which we live. Now, before we begin, you, you need an introduction. So tonight is really an introduction to the book of Daniel. And there's three things I want to try and help you to understand tonight. First of all, I want us to think of the authenticity of the prophet Daniel. Here's a question. Was Daniel a real, true, historical figure? Did he live in real time? Was he a real man of flesh and blood, or was he just the invention of somebody's imagination, like the story of Cinderella or Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Well, you see, when I read the Bible, I read that there are 73 references to a man called Daniel. The first reference is in 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Did you know that David had a son called Daniel to Abigail, the Carmelites, whom he married? He's mentioned again in Ezra chapter 8, verse 2, Nehemiah 10 and 6. There's three references to him in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, chapter 14, verse 20, and chapter 28, verse 3. There's also 65 references to him in the book of Daniel. We'll come to them in a little moment. And there's two references in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, and Mark 13, verse 14. Now here's another question. Did you know that the Lord Jesus testified about the prophet Daniel? That he had a respect for this book that we call the book of Daniel? That he had a respect for Daniel's ministry and Daniel's prophecy? Turn over there to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and look with me at the verse 15. Now remember Matthew 24 is a chapter all about the end of times. It says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privily, privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Three questions they asked him. When shall these things be? The destruction of Jerusalem. And what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So it's a, quick, a chapter about the end of times. So the Lord Jesus is preaching about the end of the world and prophesying here about his second return. And in doing so, he endorsed the life and ministry of Daniel the prophet. Look at verse 15 of the same chapter. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. I want you to notice that the Lord Jesus endorses the life and ministry of Daniel the prophet. 
He refers here to the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And he's saying to the people in his day, when ye see that stand in the holy place, and that has a devastating, destructive effect upon your heart and mind, and in the life of the nation, be very sure, whoso readeth, let him understand. See, the Lord Jesus told us of things that were spoken of by Daniel. He refers to Daniel the prophet. You should underline that text in your Bible. Mark 13 verse 14 says exactly the same thing. And notice the Lord Jesus says, Whoso readeth, let him understand. There's a reference there to reading in the book of Daniel. See, see, many have never read the book of Daniel. Many don't understand the relevance and the importance and the value of the book of Daniel. Oh, they might know little stories. Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, the um, three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace or, or maybe the um, hand that came and wrote the, the, with the fingers on the plaster of the wall in Daniel 5. But maybe that's all they know. Here's the Lord Jesus urging the people in his day to read the book, to, to begin to understand it. And in so doing, I believe he's testifying to the authenticity of the existence of Daniel. Daniel the prophet. Daniel was a prophet. And a prophet that had to do with the end times. And a, a, a prophet whose prophecy we could well do to give the earnest heed to. See, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ was setting his seal in the book of Daniel. He, he respected the book of Daniel. He, he reverenced the book of Daniel. Remember the Bible says and all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. The word inspiration is theonustos, which means God breathed. And I believe that God breathed his word into Daniel and Daniel spoke it forth and wrote it down. Daniel wrote the words prophesied under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Daniel, of course, is the 27th book in our English Bible. He's the last of the major prophets. Before him was Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Daniel's the last, but he's known as Daniel the prophet. Remember the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And if the Lord Jesus held Daniel in the highest esteem and talked about Daniel the prophet and said, Whoso readeth, let him understand, then should we not pray as well to our God and ask the Lord to teach us? Isn't that a prayer, Psalm 86, verse 11? We, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to study this book of Daniel. And we could pray, Lord, teach me. Lord, help me to read the book. Help me to understand it. The psalmist prayed, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And here's the first thing that we could learn about the book of Daniel. And it's this, the authenticity of the man. He was a real man, a man of flesh and blood, a man who lived in real time. The second thing I want you to learn about the book of Daniel tonight is the appearance of Daniel. 
You see, Daniel comes on the scene in about the year 605 or 606 BC. That's a long time ago. 605, 606 years before Christ ever came. He's a teenager who lives in Judah. He's part of the um, princely line in Judah. And as a teenager, he's taken captive. And he's carried something like 125 miles away to a land called Babylon. Or as we'll see later on, the land of Shinar. Now that's a long distance. When I say carried, I I mean he was probably made to walk probably in chains and it probably took about four months for him to get there. You think tonight of what we read in the book. Look at Daniel chapter 1. Daniel tells us when this happened. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Notice these words. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now, this establishes a very, very important timeline. Because Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who was, by the way, an absolute monarch, who had huge control over the vast Babylonian empire, this settles the times in which Daniel lives. This settles the day of Daniel. Here's the timeline in which Daniel lived and wrote the words of the prophecy of his book. And it all started when Daniel was about 16 or 17 years of age in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah. And in that very year, King Nebuchadnezzar and the whole of the Babylonian army invaded the territory of Judah and they besieged Jerusalem. He had conquered the territory of Judah. Jerusalem came under his control. Jehoiakim, who was the reigning monarch at that time, he was made subject to King Nebuchadnezzar. He became like a vassal king under him. And Nebuchadnezzar, as part of the deal, got part of the vessels of the house of God. And also he was allowed to carry away many of the young men, especially those of the princely line, into captivity. Now let me just say this tonight for those who have an interest in history. This is not the last time he invaded Judah or besieged Jerusalem. History teaches us that he invaded Judah and besieged Jerusalem two more times. Eight years later in 597 BC. There was another bitter assault in Jerusalem And on this occasion, Ezekiel was carried captive. And then in 586 BC, you've got the final assault, where on this occasion, having come back the third time from Shinar, he completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem, completely destroyed the temple. And um, from that day, 586 BC, the kingdom of Judah was no more. 
It was gone. The northern kingdom had already fell a hundred years earlier to the Assyrian army. But in that date, 586 BC, 586 years before Christ, the southern kingdom of Judah, with its capital in Jerusalem, well, it was gone. And do you know when it was reformed as an independent nation in its own right? In 1948. And that's an important date in history. But way back in 605, 606, Babylon was the world's superpower in the days of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, was an aggressive king, an expansionist king, and he attacked this little country in the Middle East with its capital called Jerusalem. And as I've said, he creamed off the top young people, carried them into exile into Babylon, and one of the young men was called Daniel. How do I know that? Look at Daniel or chapter 1 and verse 6. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And then he tells us in verse 7, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And that's where, of course, we get the little saying, shake the bed, make the bed, and in the bed you go, because that was the way we learned to remember the three names along with Daniel. And as I've said, they were carried captive 125 miles away from Judah into the land of Babylon. It took about four months. They probably arrived there foot sore and weary, and they were captives of a heathen king. So here's Daniel, and he's telling us when he got to Babylon. And how he got to Babylon. And young people, I want you to think in this church tonight that this was not a grown man. This was a teenager, probably, as I've said, 16, 17, maybe even younger. If we were to think of the reign of Jehoiakim of Judah, if we were to think of young Daniel growing up in those princely surroundings, a member of the royal court, a member of the royal family, a descendant of King David. What, what was Jehoiakim's reign like? See, Jehoiakim was revealed in the Bible as a, an exceeding wicked king. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. The Bible tells us he reigned for 11 years. But in the third year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar came up and besieged Jerusalem. And then he became a vassal king under Nebuchadnezzar. And then he rebelled again until he was eventually removed after 11-year reign. His reign was cut short. The Bible tells us he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 37. Remember, this was the man who took the book of God out of the hands of Jeremiah. He cut it up into pieces and he burnt it in the fire. This was the man who hated the Bible. He hated the words of God. He wanted to get rid of it. He hated the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord handed him over to judgment. You see, here's a little lesson tonight. No man can live as he pleases. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter where you live, there is such a thing tonight as the judgment of God due to sin.
And here's young Daniel. And now at this age, 15 to 18, he's carried captive. And as he writes his prophecy, he has a great grasp of the fact that God is in sovereign control of time, of history, and of all events that make up history. You think of that. God controls time, history, right up to the last day. And you see, God gave to Daniel in the last days a series of visions, often in word pictures. And those visions were God teaching him that, that God is the governor of this world and its affairs. And it stretches right up to the last day. Now that's relevant. And that's vital. Do we not live in a time of great change within the United Kingdom? Are we not living in days, momentous times on the world stage? Is this not a day of uncertainty? A day when strange things are taking place? A day of events outside our control? A day when things that are happening are difficult to understand? We're asking, why is this happening? What on earth is going to take place next? The world seems to be in a chaotic state. It seems to be in a mess. Well, it's like Daniel grasped this doctrine this important biblical truth that God is an absolute sovereign control in the historical affairs of this world. That God controls time, that God controls history, that God controls events, and God's even in control of our times and our lives. And Daniel had a good grasp of that. How do I know? Look with me at verse 2. It says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God. See, there had to be a day when Daniel was born. He's a creature of time. Daniel lived in real time. I've already given you the timeline. By the time of 605, 606 has come, he's a teenager. He's from the princely tribe in Judah. And this is a day when Daniel lived. It's a day of change. A day of uncertainty, a day of difficulty. Imagine being taken captive as a teenager from your homeland of Judah. You're, you're a, a, a princely uh, successor to the throne. You're in the royal family. And you're carried 125 miles away on a four-month journey. And you're now a captive to a heathen king. We get asked the question, well, why is da Daniel in Babylon? That's where we're first introduced to him. Well, do you know it's because of the judgment of God upon Jehoiakim's sin? That's why it happened. And I want you to see that. And God's in control of time, history, world events, Daniel's life. Do you know if we were to read tonight, when we haven't time to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first 14 verses of that chapter have to do with this thought that obedience brings blessing of God. God says, if you obey me, I will bless you, and here's the ways in which I'll bless you. The rest of the chapter, 15 right through to 63, teaches this important lesson. That disobedience brings the judgment of God. We read over there in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and in the uh, verse um, 47, and in the verse uh, 63, these words. Deuteronomy 28. And we read there in verse 47. 
He says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies. And he says again in verse 63, And it shall come to pass, as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught, and ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. The children of Israel were warned of the dangers of apostasy, the danger of idolatry, the the danger of immorality, the the danger of iniquity. And for a long time, the Lord was merciful. He was long-suffering. He pleaded and pleaded with the children of Israel um, in the northern kingdom and in the uh, southern kingdom, the, the children of Judah. He pleaded with them to repent and get right. But the children of Israel would have none of it. And in A.D., or B.C. 722, the Assyrian army destroyed the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom was swept away by the mighty power of the Assyrian army. It's never recovered. Judah lasted about another hundred years. But sadly, it also fell into apostasy, idolatry, immorality, and iniquity. It would not repent. Think of the prophets that God sent, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And here in 605, Daniel is taken into captivity. His people have sinned against the Lord. The Lord has been patient. The Lord has been long-suffering. But there's a a time to the Lord's patience. There's a time to his long-suffering. And and it run out and the Lord handed them over into judgment. And yet amazingly, the Lord is in absolute control. Listen to what um, Solomon says in uh, Proverbs chapter 21 and in the verse at 21. He, he, he makes this amazing statement there in uh, Proverbs um, 21 and 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. See, it doesn't matter who's on the throne. God's in control. It doesn't matter who's in government. The Lord's in control. It doesn't matter who's or what law parliament passes. It's all in the hand of Almighty God. And in ancient time, it was Syria, 722, against the northern kingdom. In in 605, 606, it was the Babylonians. They were God's instrument of judgment. God used them to chasten his people. Isn't it interesting that God chose a wicked people, more wicked than the children of Judah, to punish them, to chastise them? See, See, God's at work. And Daniel understood this. And this happened in the third year, he tells us, of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Not the first year, not the second year, but in the third year. And if you were to read what this man did, I couldn't even begin to describe it. Not only did he hate the word of God, but this man was guilty of murder and so many other sins. And there's the historicity of Daniel. Not only his authenticity, but the appearance in Dabalon. And it's all under the control of God. Notice this finally. I want you to think of the acceptance of Daniel. If you go back to chapter 1 verse 2. It says. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand. With part of the vessels of the house of God. You see. Daniel understood. That God was in absolute control. That this was not a twist of fate. This was not an accident. This was not bad luck. 
This was not that Daniel's luck had run out or Jehoiakim's luck had run out. It had nothing to do with Murphy's law, nothing to do with bad karma. Here's the acceptance of Daniel. God is at work in this. You see, it's the Lord that sets a man up on the throne. It's the Lord takes a man down from the throne. You know, I believe tonight that even Donald Trump, with all his iniquity and immorality, that God has put Donald Trump in the White House. And I believe if it's the will of God, God will keep Donald Trump there. Donald Trump is really God's man and making history at this time. Because remember, under him, Jerusalem now has been recognized for the first time as the capital of Israel with the embassy in the United States being set up there. Look at this word in verse 2. And the Lord gave. Do you see the capital letter? Isn't that interesting? The Lord gave. This is a reference in the Greek Subtuigant to Adonai. It means the owner or the master. It's, it's the Lord exercising his sovereign control. Remember our Lord's prayer this morning. Thy will be done in heaven as on earth. You see, Adonai is on the throne. And God allows the holy city to be attacked. He allows it to be besieged. He allows the king to become a vassal under um, Nebuchadnezzar. And it's all under his control. Keep in mind tonight that God is in charge of it all. All time. All events. All of history. All people. It's unfolding his story. I believe that's a significant statement in the book. I believe it's a major theme. Do you know that the Bible teaches in Psalm 76 verse 10 that surely the wrath of man shall praise thee? Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilling God's plan and purpose. As I've said repeatedly, Daniel's a member of the royal house. He's one of the princely children of Judah. He saw his king removed. He saw his city fall to the Babylonians. He saw his kingdom being weakened and he's perplexed. God using a wicked people to destroy his own was not the problem with Habakkuk. Remember Habakkuk and we quoted him this morning. Thou art of pure eyes that behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? See, the Chaldeans... Habakkuk saw this. The Babylonians would take Judah captive. And God was going to raise up the Chaldeans and bring terrible judgment and death and destruction upon the city. And bad things were going to happen to the women and the children and to the young men. And here's Habakkuk and he's praying, Lord, how could you do this? How could you let this happen? Thou art of pure eyes to behold iniquity. How could you use the Chaldeans? Lord, they're worse than us. Habakkuk couldn't understand. He was deeply troubled. He was greatly perplexed. The death of a city. The death of a kingdom. I believe Daniel must have felt the same. The four months march to Babylon. One of the princely young men of Judah. And what did God say to Habakkuk? Well listen to what he says in verse 4. It says. Behold his soul which is. Lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
Think of that. See, what was the Lord saying to Habakkuk? Yes, I am working. Yes, these men are more wicked than the children of Judah. But Habakkuk, this is what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. Trust me because I know what I'm doing. Remember, I'm in the holy temple. I'm in control. It's me that has given Jehoiakim to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel was perplexed by the same problem. And Daniel, I believe, was being told by the Lord, Daniel, you've got to go to Babylon, and in Babylon, live by your faith there. You've got to live in Babylon by trusting me to help you. You, you, you've got to believe and know that I'm in charge, that I'm in sovereign control of the church, the country, and its citizens. We sang tonight, my times are in thy hands. Did you know that the Lord Jesus on the cross had prayed one of those prayers? Into thy hand I commit my spirit, thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And then later on in that psalm, we read, My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. See, here's the psalmist. And he realizes that even in relation to the cross work of Christ, it's not an accident. It's by design and purpose. The Lord is in absolute sovereign control. And the psalmist was able to say there in that beautiful psalm, Thou hast redeemed me. Can you say that tonight? Can you address the Lord as, O Lord God of truth? Isn't that true for the individual? Isn't that true for the local congregation? Isn't that true for the nation and for the universe? We, we need to get our eyes on the Lord God of truth. The one who is Alpha and Omega. The one who is the first and the last. The one who is in charge. The one who is in control. Isn't that what John discovered in the Isle of Patmos? He got his eyes in him. He was suffering great tribulation. But he discovered that God was Alpha and Omega to him. He was working out a master plan. I believe this was puzzling and perplexing for Daniel. Why am I in Shinar? What am I doing in Babylon? I haven't done anything wrong. And the Lord is saying to Daniel, Daniel, I want you to trust me. There's a word for a saint here tonight. How to live in our Babylon. How to work and witness and worship the Lord. We need to increase our faith in him. We need to see how valuable and practical this word is. See, you're not your own master tonight. You're subject to the Lord if you're redeemed, you're his. If you're not his, then your sin must be recognized. It must be repented of. And if it's not, the Lord will deal with you in judgment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. There's a word here for every backslider. You're not your own. You don't live in your own time. Your life doesn't really belong to you. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Maybe you're here and you're careless. And you forgot about the Lord. And you've left him out of your life. And you're living your way, doing your thing, enjoying your sin. But you forgot that God controls time. And God controls the events and the history of your life. 
And God is the one who calls you to repentance and redemption. And if you won't repent and be redeemed, then God can bring you to retribution. God can bring you to rebuke. Here's this man, Jehoiakim, and he's on the throne. And he's 25 years when he starts his reign. And he's reigning now for three years. And he's a wicked man. I, I told you what he did to the word of God and the name of God and some of the people of God. They were murdered in cold blood in the streets of Jerusalem. And in the third year, the Lord had enough. And the Lord brought him to the place where he was made subject to Nebuchadnezzar. And then when he rebelled again, in the eleventh year, the Lord removed him completely. See, God is not mocked. And that's what Daniel begins to teach us. And I leave these thoughts with you as an introduction to the book of Daniel. I, I couldn't think of any other way. Other men have just jumped straight into verse 8. But I thought, Lord, there's too much history there just to jump in. We need to know and understand why Daniel was in Babylon. When he was there and why and what age he was at. I trust we'll see how authentic Daniel is. I trust we'll see something of his history. And I trust it will grasp something of his teaching. What did he teach? What did he learn? He learned the Lord's in control. His life, God is my judge. He handed it over to the Lord. Have you handed your life over to the Lord? Do you know he's in control? Even of difficult, perplexing things that are baffling your mind. He says, have faith in me. May the Lord bless you this evening. Thank you for coming.